Hello, welcome to NMO Season 2, Episode 4. This will probably be a, a slightly different feel for an episode, because we don't have Lurk with us this time. Uh, but Aww. luckily we have two worlds. Wait, I thought I was Lurk. What? Wait, Wait am I not you're Lurk? You're not Lurk? You guys, before the show, you said you were paying me to be Lurk. Does that not happen? You weren't supposed to tell people that. Oh! Shit. Well, yeah, I'm two worlds. Sal, how's it going, everybody? Really glad to be back for the first time in three years. <laughs> Shit, has it been that long? Jeez. Yeah, man. Well, maybe two. I'm not entirely certain when this started, but it's been, uh, been a while. Yeah, you were there for the uh, first episode and then yep. uh, never showed up again. <laughs> yeah, I showed up for the premiere of the dip. Uh, good times. Life's just been too busy, man. Well, uh, yeah, that's our uh, roster for today. Uh, so I guess we'll start with the uh, host updates. So, Two Worlds, what have you been doing recently and the past few years since you were last on the show? Well, uh, you know, I've just been working on uh, my marathon. We want JSRF HD, cultivating that into uh, whatever it is today. And apart from that, I've just been pretty much retiring from speedrunning, playing a lot of Among Us, and I'd say that's about it, really. Just uh, killing time at this point. Sweet. Aries, what you been up to? Uh, not too, too much. I haven't really been uh, playing anything, but I did get a new camera lens, so that was cool. And a lot of the photos that uh, I've been taking that I put as wallpapers on my, like, 4K TV, I now have it shared as a Flickr album. So if you want to look at those, oh. it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's some, there's some nice ones there. I, I'm not saying they're all, like, super perfect, but... Cause I'm not like the most amazing photographer. It was just a hobby, but you know, share and share alike. It's just uh, Creative Commons attribution, so you can do whatever the hell you want with them as long as you put it somewhere that you know it's my photo that you grabbed from wherever. So cool. Uh, I did actually get some new puzzle games that I want to uh, play at some point. I did manage to grab Taito Legends Two on the PS2. And that has Cleopatra's Fortune on it, which is a super awesome arcade game if nobody's ever played it. So, Gloria, what have you been up to? Uh, recently, I've been playing uh, games with Laz and Co. Uh, Project Winter, which is a deception game. And Phasmophobia, the ghost game. Aside from that, doing school shit. Word. Also complaining about shit on Twitter, as usual. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have your notifications on there. So I guess I would lead into the news for the podcast. For NMO, we really don't have too much news. We got it onto Spotify, which was actually a lot easier than I thought. It's literally link us your podcast. Okay, your podcast is on. So oh hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't like a human vetting process or anything like that. It was just like there you go. So that was interesting. Now you can listen to NMO on Spotify. For NASA news, we had Horror Thriller Monster Marathon. That was actually really enjoyable. Yeah, it was awesome. Nagleria, what was your favorite run that wasn't yours? Probably the seventh guest in eleventh hour, just because they're like chill watches and was, they were just like shit talking the game and all that shit. Yeah, I was gonna say that that whole block of like the point and click games that was that was Kino right there. That's my most enjoyable block. It's from like a golden era of like full motion video and video games where it's just like it has this really trashy like appeal to it of how like like low res campy acting is just great. Yeah. 
two worlds. What about you? What run did oh, you enjoy man. that wasn't your own? Well, uh, let's see. I did not enjoy my own. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Definitely the Hello Kitty run. I mean, just thinking about it, every other run I watched, nothing compares to the true terror. Hello Kitty. Just racing. Where's she going? Nobody knows. But it is terrifying. In retrospect, I guess I didn't like my run either because yeah, I quit honestly. it like three <laughs> minutes in. That was hilarious, though. I recommend anybody watch that as soon as oh, it gets yeah. up onto the YouTube. It, it. I'm not even going to spoil it. I've got to see that. If you if you have Dust Force, it's the custom map I played, the Raven. It's a map I made. Just just try it out. You'll know exactly why I quit. You that rage shit. quit your own map. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I made I made it. Oh, bro. It's one of my more questionable maps. Another uh, last run that I'll kind of recommend. All of them were really cool to watch, but I think we did a really good choice with having Inside or Insider, whatever. It's one of them. It's from the same people who made Limbo. That was our opener for the first day of the marathon, and that was was a good watch. Yeah, all the VODs are already highlighted on Twitch and in the collection. If you're more of a YouTube person, they are being uploaded uh, one a day because YouTube algorithms and you know trying to make the channel grow. And the best way to kind of do that is to let YouTube algorithm gods be like one video a day for for CV play. So if I could dump them all at once, I would. But it just I, I've literally seen the analytics where it's like if you do it one a day, maximum like two a day you get nice growth over time instead of like NASA 2016 where we would dump all the VODs at once and then you would see a spike of activity and then the channel is just dead. Nobody's doing anything until the next event. So speaking of events though, Mm. Two Worlds, I hear you have an event that's coming up. Oh God, do I? Oh yeah. Yes, we want JSRF HD renamed to We Got JSRF HD with the uh, reveal of Bombresh Cyberpunk recently. And uh, yes, next weekend, upcoming. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I've been looking at the schedule, kind of curating and moving things around as needed, and I am so excited about every single minute of uh, the fun we have planned. And I think this is going to be the best event so far out of uh, all six prior. So yeah, I hope everybody tunes in and uh, enjoys. Want to explain how the marathon first came up? Oh, of course, yo. I love that story. So I was just, uh, I used to watch a lot of Trihex back in the day. And uh, he either on Twitter or on his stream mentioned the We Want JSRF HD sort of hashtag to try and get Sega to make JSRF HD. Now, of course, Sega doesn't care what we have to say. But we took that idea and ran with it to essentially start a marathon. Now, Trix was supposed to pretty much run the thing and be at the uh, whole forefront of the whole operation, but he ended up just kind of dipping on the whole idea. And I was like, hey, Trix, when are we doing the marathon? No response. A week later, hey, Trix, when are we doing the marathon? No response. And uh, keep in mind, this was back in 2016, to give, uh, give an indication of how long ago it was. At one point, I think I was just like, screw it. I'm, sa- I'm stealing this. I'm making it mine. And I did. And I got my uh, my boys together, and we <laughs> put together a marathon with absolutely no prior experience on how to make it happen. I had only been in the speedrun community for like a year or so at that time. So I just hit up a couple friends I had and was like, hey, you guys want to restream? 
And we had one restreamer at the first event, and he ended up falling asleep at one point, so we couldn't update the layout. And that that, that was real fun. Just like Sega GT 2002 was every game for like six hours, and then from there I just tightened up who I had on deck, and I partnered with a a, a little community called NASA Marathon. Not sure if uh, you guys have heard of them back in 2017. And yeah, since then it's just been nice, fluid. We get better every year. We learn more. Yeah, I remember that was really funny because you kind of messaged a couple of. I think you messaged me, and you were like, "Hey, do you want to like help restream?" I was yeah. like, "Hey, <laughs> do you want the event on the NASA channel?" And you're like, "Oh shit, that's an idea." Yeah, <laughs> that was that was beautiful. I I didn't at all imagine that would end up happening, and I'm so glad it did. Yeah, I think you were the second marathon that we hosted. Yep. Like we've put on the channel. So it's like it wasn't really like like we had the idea out there before, but it wasn't really in practice uh, commonly known, I guess. I happened to cross a gold mine. You love to see it. Yeah, it's been one of the um kind of sparked more collaborations going on on the channel in all honesty because once we were kind of like, "Hey, this is an event that's not actually ours." And we kind of did things proper and slightly advertised it instead of didn't advertise it at all. Kind of just turned into what it is now. You even have a spot on the website. It's insane. Yeah. All right. In other upcoming events, what do we have here? Uh, Speed Gaming Live 2020. That one is taking place Thursday, November 12th. Oh, it's overlapping. We got Whoa. some competition, bro. Turf War. Turf War. So I'll send my I'll send my boys over. We'll take care of it. Knock knock. Heard you're a marathon. Now, but what kind of games can we expect on there? Isn't that like the mainstream sort of speedrunning marathon kind of like a smaller GDQ or something? So I'm pretty sure it's all online. I don't think they would do it in person, but hope not. Considering speed gaming is like mostly races, them doing little marathons is nice. I see they're opening actually strong with a speedrun of uh, BS Legend of Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets. If nobody knows what that is, the Super Nintendo had like a a modem attachment for satellite uplink. And you could get like these kind of DLC games that you would get over the satellite and there would be like narration taking place and all that stuff. Yeah, the broadcasts of Teleview. Yeah. That's cool. So, what? Ancient Stone Tablets was like you didn't play as Link, you played as your avatar, which was a boy or a girl. And it was kind of like a, a DLC extra adventure to A Link to the Past. It's really cool. About the South Televi, it's actually kind of neat where it's like, uh, they didn't always have the things like streaming on, via satellite. So it would be like every like weekend or some shit, they would put a different game that you could download. And they've since like, they stopped doing it years ago. So buying like a Satellaview in and of itself could be like pointless. It's, it's like you need like the SNES that has da- did download it, you know, like 20 years ago. <laughs> so, so yeah. it's like, they're actually kind of like the, the st- uh, it's like when they fuck the people with cell phones and have flappy bird installed. It's like, <laughs> you can't get this anywhere else. Uh, which is like uh, probably uh, like that. That's something where it's like, you pretty much have to allow emulator or um like flash carts. Because it's like it's impractical to acquire them on your own, like in the conventional sense. Yeah, another run that I do see is that there's a Tetris the Grandmaster run, so that's going to be really fun. Oh, sweet! 
They got a they got a good amount of arcade games that I'm seeing here, like Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Oh yes, such a good game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man. There's it's honestly a good mix of games. Yeah, it looks it's a nice list. And then another event that uh, their submissions are actually still open at the time of recording this is Bingothon Winter 2020. It'll be taking place the uh, November 27th to the 30th, and that just seems like it's going to be filled with uh, bingos from different games. I'm looking at the submissions, and they have like Need for Speed Carbon, Worms Armageddon. Worms Armageddon bingo sounds dangerous. It does. That sounds like mm-hmm. something we need to try. <laughs> Only one in 50 runs will finish kind of dangerous. Oh, no doubt. And then the gang forgot to introduce host recommendations. All right, so two worlds. Yeah. What do you recommend? Let's see. Well, I've been playing a lot of Yakuza over the past uh, year or two, and I would definitely recommend uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2. But if, if, you're, uh, if you're looking to get into a whole uh, whole new series... I think Terminator Resistance, a game that came out recently, is pretty solid. I've uh, started playing it recently. Pretty dope. Muse Dash is also a very good rhythm game. If you're into rhythm games, highly recommend checking that one out as well. And a uh, little game known as Among Us, of course. I guess uh, I'll recommend uh, Project Winter. It's another deception game like Among Us that uh, I just played for the first time yesterday with Laz, Sion, CFB. It was pretty fun. Uh, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, then I'd recommend McDonald's Treasureland Adventure on the Sega Genesis. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you, it sounds like it should be awful. It's actually a really good game made by Treasure. Uh, some people have made like Mischief Makers, Sin and Punishment, all that. Alien Soldier, Gunstar Heroes, like every game's a hit. And it's like, it was their first game. And it's like, it's surprisingly good for being like what you would expect to be licensed shovelware. Yeah, I don't really have any video game recommendations, but I did watch The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. That is that is oh, yeah, top-tier television. I put that up with, uh, not in any particular order, but I put it up there with Chernobyl, Westworld Season 1, Ooh. Watchmen, like those three series that I highly covet those series. They're really good. And I'm putting it up there in that list. Not saying that one is better than the other, but it is some really good tv they actually the main character is female and they didn't do the marvel thing where it's like girl power no th- this is a regular character who has human flaws and is really awesome out of thing and just really well written as a person super believable and you know it's chess in the 1950s 60s obviously she already has issues being a female playing the game we don't have to shove it in people's faces beyond like kind of obvious things where people are kind of like ignoring her and everything like that we don't have to have her go to the camera and be like well it's because i'm a girl isn't it or something right so other than that it's just super super well made it people who don't even watch chess got super into it and they go kind of uh there are people who play chess on a very high level and they actually break down the games and kind of mention what they referenced and all that stuff they had gary kasparov as kind of like a consultant as well it's super well done yeah, they they never have it like where it just stares at the board for 10 minutes, but it's like you could see them doing moves like, you know, really quickly. So you could like be kind of paying attention along, but you don't need to know chess to, you know, appreciate it. And one thing I'm also a stickler for as well, uh, languages. So they hired a Polish actor to play the Russian main character, which means that when he speaks Russian, it sounds like a it might not sound perfectly Russian to a lot of people. But it sounds Slavic, and that's 
more than just having some random American like oh, the speak. guy that plays Borgo? Yes, that is uh, Marcin Dorochinsky, and he's a Polish actor. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. I guess yeah, it sounded Russian yeah, to me. <laughs> so you know that's already a step up. Um, and they even have plot points where some people can understand the language and other people don't, which in a lot of media you don't oh. get because everybody speaks English. Oh yeah. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. Because yeah, the main character learns Russian. And, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of time and effort put into the show. I highly recommend you watch it because I binged it all in one day. It was just super good. Super good. All right. Now we have some speedrun adjacent news, and we actually wanted to talk about this last episode, but we already had so much to talk about that we kind of pushed it away. But now there's even more to talk about, so Twitch. Just Twitch in general. I don't know if you guys have heard everything that's been going on, but it's a, it's a little messy. A little messy. Yeah, just, just a little bit. So the too long didn't read version of what happened is Twitch started to implement mid-rolls into streams, automated ones. At first, I personally thought that these were something that um, you know the streamer could kind of control. Turns out that was not the case. Because uh, for partners and things like that, if you play an ad, you can bank up a moment of time that pre-rolls will not play for viewers. And I thought that, that would be the same process that mid-rolls would work on. Not the case. That got scrapped. But now ads have come back. And they've come back with a vengeance. Um, basically, ad blockers stopped working for people. So the community, quote-unquote, figured out scripts to add to ad blockers to bypass that. Twitch figured out what those scripts do and turned it into basically ad Armageddon where you would get an ad like every 10 minutes even though the streamer is not playing any <laughs> ads. You get capped to 480p resolution so you can't even watch in HD or anything. Uh, it, yeah, it's they've changed up a lot of stuff there. I don't know how you guys all feel about Jeez. this. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Nah, man, it's, uh, at least I think that Twitch is just, they've always kind of, at least in my opinion, gone about things in kind of a backwards, incorrect way that doesn't seem very, oh, no, it doesn't seem very, cons I don't know if the right word here would be considerate or common sense, but it, it just seems like they're not acting with a lot of common sense, to be honest. Counterintuitive. Yes, counterintuitive. Yes, just think about it. They're uh, they're nuking the viewing uh, experience for people that use uh, adblock, right? Like the whole 480p thing and shit. And it just, I feel like there's a better solution. There's definitely got to be a better solution than the dumb shit they're doing. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've I've said on my Twitter, but I understand that as an ecosystem, Twitch needs ads. That is. You know, the streamers make money off of ads first off. Twitch gets their cut from that. And that streamers playing ads subsidize the service for everyone else, essentially. Because there's a cool infographic that I came across maybe a couple months ago that showed the top, like, 10 or 5. It was a very small number. It might even be, like, 3% or whatever. But essentially, the vast majority of Twitch streams to zero to three viewers. So if you are above three viewers on your stream, 
you are basically top percentile of Twitch. Holy shit. Which is insane, honestly. So if you can imagine that there's so many streamers on Twitch and they don't have any views or anything, that is resources and bandwidth that aren't being, they're not being paid for essentially. So yes, the, the, the ecosystem needs ads. The system currently in place is obviously not working. The standard model of just playing an ad in the middle of something when you might be playing a game for like six hours like where where do you put an ad there that you automate or anything like that right during a marathon that's easy during the intermission you know play an ad of some length because it's an intermission you're not doing anything anyways and you're going to be waiting for the next run it's it's a clear delineation of what's happening but in regular streaming uh, at least in speedrunning it's not very compatible so there there has to be some sort of extra control when it comes to the ads but i th i still think the whole situation where twitch is kind of giving the finger to people using all those crazy scripts they found on the internet is just frankly hilarious yeah the 480p limit god that yeah. that's funny though yeah i mean it's stupid but it's it's hilarious the 480p thing is just like yeah. pure punishment honestly <laughs> honestly i would be totally okay if they just allowed the ads to be blocked but you're stuck at 480p i'd be okay with that you won't, you won't, you don't feel like watching ads you don't get hd problem solved but you know i highly doubt they'll think of that that's not the only thing Twitch has kind of been going on. There have been reports of people getting banned because their name sounds like it could be something bad. There have been oh. reports that uh, users such as, for example, piece of sheet, as in a sheet of paper, got banned because their <laughs> no. name sounds like it could be offensive. And uh, that's been happening to streamers who have words in also foreign languages that can sound like a bad word. So they've been cracking down really hard on that. And I'm guessing from an English-centric point of view, like if it's a foreign swear, yeah, it doesn't really matter. As far as I know, that's the current case. There's been, you know, accounts that have been there forever and magically are now getting banned. I, I don't understand. I personally think those are kind of funny. Like, piece of sheet, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. The final kind of thing, and this has been causing an uproar in... Uh, kind of the the twitch streaming community and this is i don't understand why personally but twitch has been going on about uh dmca claims youtube has been going on about dmca for a while now if you upload any content that is copyright by somebody else essentially the any revenue the video would have generated goes to the copyright holder instead because that's just how YouTube handles with it now. They make sure that any money goes to the correct people and you can dispute it if you do, in fact, have the copyright for the content that you're using or if, you know, somebody specifically DMCAs your content to uh, take it offline, you can also dispute that. There's a process in place. Twitch decided after they created their Twitch soundtrack, which uh, is also legal, legally questionable, from what the RIA said and a lot of other people have said because they only purchased one form of rights for music when you need two or three different forms of rights because Twitch is transformative and all this other thing and they only got like the broadcast rights which is what you you can't only just have that but anyways so that probably sparked a whole thing where Twitch was getting slammed with DMCA because of all the music a lot of streamers just open up Spotify play whatever songs they want and claim that that's okay it totally is not for the record. You are not allowed to do that. <laughs> nope. 
That is why early on in uh, NASA history, we quickly decided to play only music that we have the rights to during our intermissions because we did not want to get hit by that. So the NASA 2017, we played Monster Cat music, which was kind of cool, but not everyone's cup of tea. It's just what it is. And we were given the suggestion of OC Remix, which has some copyright-free remixes of songs, which is kind of funny in of itself because the songs that they remixed or covered did have copyright at some point. But essentially, they're not the original song, so it's it's less of an issue. Yeah, the way music copyright works is that the uh, melody and the lyrics are the only things that are formally copyrighted. So if you do like an instrumental version that doesn't have lyrics, that like bypasses that. And if you modify the melody significantly, that's like debatable, but it's it's like the you could lift the chord changes exactly and just have like a slightly different melody, and it's like it's and it's not considered cop, uh, copyright infringement. Yeah, because it, it gets into the like cover remix realm, which is basically a lot easier for everyone involved. There's there will be less hassle, so that's why we've been kind of conscious about that for a while. A lot of streamers don't, like I said, they just play Spotify where they have copyrighted chimes for like their stream alerts and everything like that. So they're getting hit, and they're getting hit hard. But with Twitch's system in place, you don't actually get to dispute or anything. They just delete your content <laughs> for you because they clearly know better. If somebody gave you a DMCA claim for this, well, they must be in the right. There must be no false DM DMCA claims available or anything like that. We'll just delete your content for you. It has gotten to the point where people have now gotten banned because companies are striking with DMCA, the same as YouTube, where they don't actually own it, but they want to be an asshole. Jeez, man. The second I heard that that whole news, I was like, you're kidding. Because, I mean, Twitch, people have been, you know, using copyrighted music in their stream for a long time. Like you've said, people will fire Spotify or, like I used to do back when I started streaming few years ago was I would use auto DJ on Nightbot and have people recommend music. So pretty much all my old streams could literally get DMCA'd and I could just wake up and be banned at some point. And I actually did get one email from 2015 of some clip getting uh, DMCA'd and deleted. And I was like, oh shit, only one? <laughs> I remember Twitch also used to have like strict policies on uh, emotes like you can't rip shit from games mm -hmm. and now it's like Yo. Now there's there's emotes ripped from games all over the place. I remember that. They're backwards as fuck, man. It was super hard to get an emote in. It's yeah, it's like them like changing their policies of like they think like okay, like we legally can do this now, so we'll allow it. And now it's like if copyright lawyers are getting on their ass, they're like, all right, let's like we don't want to mess with all that shit because copyright law in and of itself is like a giant mess. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What I think is like something that like could like in the future happen is like how um if you're playing um like a music at a venue uh it's like the venue that pays for like the the license of the music not the performer that is only in canada though oh really yeah Shit. so what nagler is describing is actually um crap i forgot the word it's the yeah like socan socan that's what it is yes which is like the music the copyright agency in canada basically yeah so whenever you do a wedding or some form of party or anything at a venue that will have music being played like you have a dj the venue uh, can either pay for it but generally they will push that cost onto the people hosting the event to pay something called the socan fee and that socan fee cop covers 
all the songs that you will be playing for that duration. To, and then that goes to the company and the company kind of splits it towards every single artist that is in that group, which is, as far as we know, all of them uh, in Canada. But that way you are yeah. you, you can play whatever songs you want because you have paid for the copyright ability to do so. I looked into it. That does not exist in the States. Dude, that's okay. so cool, though. That would be that would solve so many problems on the side. Yeah, well, not exactly, because it's only for like performing, not recording. Oh, yes. I see them. Because Twitch, you're not just performing it; it's also being recorded. So there's like a, it's like both. So you uh, like, I, but what I was thinking is that uh, not just music, but even like games itself could be like copyrighted, and it's like uh, as like the the you know the gamer being a performer. You might need to pay for like rights to like stream it potentially, or Twitch would uh, pay it. And they're like, it, 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 because like uh, you know, streaming is still somewhat new. That like uh, relative to like you know playing and recording music, I I don't know how like copyright shit's going to be uh, affecting that. Realistically, everyone is at the mercy of these video game companies because they didn't really license their quote-unquote software to be played by one person and streamed to a bunch of other people we went through this with uh, rentals and everything else so at the moment companies are fine because they know that if they take away people's rights to stream their game quote-unquote people will go in a hissy fit and it will be terrible pr but there yeah. are some games like minecraft where it explicitly says that you have the rights to stream create content do as you please with this game yeah, basically the only companies that could afford to take away that is the ones who are like, you know, multinational billionaire corporations like Nintendo and shit like that. Yeah, and actually at one point Sega did try. They started to DMCA a lot of Sega games on YouTube, and then they realized that was terrible PR because in the West we're like very used to just creating content about their video games, playing them, long plays, speedruns, reviews, everything like that. So they quickly learned that they cannot do that. Did Nintendo not do the same thing, though? I remember hearing about that a couple of years ago. They did. They had a program that you could sign up for that would give you the ability to stream oh. and create content with their video games. It was essentially like a licensing platform, but I do believe it's defunct now. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's like, if eventually that, like some kind of licensing will be like, become standard, or if just the culture of not needing one will uh kind of like force companies to just never bother with it it's entirely like up to their discretion not ours so it's up in the air yeah yeah if um you want music on your stream and stuff like that look into copyright free options there are a lot of them and a perfect time to shout out public domain cinema twitch.tv slash pd cinema it's the channel me and lurk run where all we do is play tv serials and movies that are in the public domain so there is no worries about it you can literally just record our uh twitch stream you know that's cool spread the word Ooh, free movies hell free of movies. a movie night right there yeah uh there's my favorite one on it is uh oh i guess i, I see to sing the blues is a good one but uh Crap! It's got Jack Nicholson, the original uh, Pet Shop of Horrors, Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. oh, Little Shop of Horrors, sweet. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, great. I, I really it. want to watch that. Like uh, the the one with Rick Moranis, I, I think is like more well known. But the one from I think the the fifties, it's one of Jack Nicholson's. Was it his first role? It was like his first role. Yeah, it's not even like a major role. He's the 
He's the just yeah. It's like you know, for, for looking back to the day, you'd be like, "Holy shit, that's Jack Nicholson." <laughs> but it's funny because that movie was in the public domain, and then it allowed for the Rick Moranis version to be made along with the Broadway versions and everything else. And that only happened because the original movie is in the public domain. So, really cool one. Anything else Twitch related that was worth shitting on? I think that. Honestly, it, I'm I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, there will probably be something new. But yeah, so much more to shit <laughs> on for Twitch every day. Reminder, reminder to use your Twitch Prime to give us a subscription, and also tell your friends to tier three sub to NASA Marathon for great rewards like dark areas messaging you and saying thanks. If you ever want tech help with streaming, he'll give it to you. Yep, that is a true fact. Uh, I guess now we can get on to the main topic, which was uh, turbo and modifications and speedruns. I wrote a Google Doc about like all my thoughts on this a year ago. Uh, we just didn't end up doing the show about it. Basically, it just goes over all the like benefits and negatives that I could think of for having turbo or any kind of uh, like hardware or software mods for games. Because I know there's a lot of people who really, really hate it because they're like, mashing is a skill. It's like it just should just be part of games. Which is like, it's, that's true, it is, but it's also like, you can literally injure yourself. Like, I know people who've done F0GX snaking, they've like, fucked up their hands forever. So it's like, either just for, like, the ergonomic or, like, physiological health reasons, but also, like, uh, accessibility. Like, if someone's colorblind, like, modding a game just so if something's, like, color-based, just, like, uh, changing, like, a texture just so it's, alright, now it's, like, the, it's more accessible to uh, people who are colorblind. Likewise, like, uh, if, a if a game doesn't have um, built-in, like, button remapping or uh, configuration, uh, like a lot of older pre, like, PS2 or PS2, even PS2 games, just uh, allowing, like, sw swapping of buttons just in case you're, like, missing, a f like, a hand or, like, you don't have fully functional control of two uh, hands with, like, all ten fingers, like, that... Th those kind of mods, I think, should just be default okay, because, uh... They don't, uh, they're, like, cosmetic or purely, like, uh, comfort changes, like, accessibility. Uh, so it's, like, even if you're just, like, if you're just trying to save time, it's not going to let you do anything faster. Uh, uh, debatably, there could be games where, um, moving, uh, kind of, like, moving an input to a flywheel on a mouse, like, putting it on analog stick could change it. So it's, like, that's, that's stuff where it's, like, on a game-by-game -game basis the community would want to decide, but. Just for the allowing, you know, someone who it's like cannot perform the run on like default uh, system, default control, or it's like, all right, now you can. I think it's a, it's a good idea. As for Turbo specifically, the main benefit, like I know um, a while ago for Super Mario RPG, they considered allowing it for like uh, just mashing through text. And it's like some people like wanted it, some people didn't. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it was Kirk who had the idea of, um, rather than, like, a allowing Turbo per se, you could mod, like, uh, mod the game so it gives the exact function you want. So, uh, to do, like, if you want fast text, you could just, like, like, press this button, like, mod the game so when you hold this button, it just mashes through text, uh, as fast as possible. Or any other, uh, discrete functions, like, hit hold this button to do, like, a 30 hertz thing, uh, it's, like, all right, uh, for for stuff that's just like fast text, you could probably add like a category tag, like the platformer, what like what console it's on. For stuff where it would give an advantage, uh, like uh, Sonic Adventure Two Battle, I know that um, 
not the spin dashing, but like the bounce ball thing. If you do it at 30 hertz, you can like move insanely fast or like stuff like that. Well, like on a game by game basis, you'd want to have like a separate category. But generally for just fast tags and shit like that, I I think you could just do it as a tag and it'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, I remember with the Super Mario RPG, there were a lot of people who don't really understand the game doing the whole, oh, yeah, just don't allow turbo. No games have turbo, blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't actually, it, the thing is, it only helps for, like, mashing through text because you can't actually turbo to do the super jumps. Yeah, the because t- it, it's rhythm-based. Yeah. I also remember way back in the day, there was some sort of Mega Man record that took place on the NES, so it was one of the first whatevers. And at the time, everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. And then I think Cypher actually went through the game recording, or the VOD frame by frame, and realized that the runner was using turbo, which is actually the norm in Japan, or at least that's what was said. So that was kind of like a East versus West type deal. It's like, oh yeah, he got the record, but you know the Japanese use turbo. We're not going to use turbos. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a that's a thing where uh, like for, like a holdover from SDA where a lot of people there's like a perceived legitimacy issue with turbo where it's like it's not legitimate, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's like I I like I can understand where they're coming from where it's like. You know, you're, it's not you that's performing those inputs per se, uh, but like, I, I just have a separate category for it if it's like a big deal. Uh, that way it's like, for people who it's like, I don't want to fuck up my hands, I just want to push a button, uh, have like a separate category if the turbo actually makes a difference like it would in Mega Man games. That'd be fine. I think. I know they have their own leaderboards and whole community and it's like a big shit show. Or at least I perceive it to be. Because my only, like, uh, knowledge of the leaderboards with that was when uh, Cyber Demon was running the PSX collection. Oh, and just Because it was faster, and, and people were, like, shitting on it. It's like, no, SNES only. We only run the slowest version. Yeah. Which it's like, it, there's like, yeah, that, that which is another, like, perceived legitimacy issue. Where it's like, you're not doing this, you know, legitimate version. Where, where it's like... If you have a problem with that, you could just make a separate category so your legitimate, you know, run is still available. I remember uh, Lurk was thinking that, uh, mentioning that um, for some games, having, not just listing, like, the uh, console you performed on, but the uh, controller you used. Uh, Like, for Mario 64 and stuff, people can sometimes use a Hori controller or whatever. If you're using mouse, for computer games, like mouse and keyboard or, like, a controller and it can make a difference like even for like a ps2 and dreamcast there's a lot of like third part or not even like first party like the fishing controller for dreamcast or twin sticks there's all sorts of different uh potential controllers you could use and depending on their run uh they can make a difference so that could be like something worth noting and then they uh it's like well what about just straight up hardware mods like uh if for Zelda, they would, like, use an elastic band for Ocarina of Time to hold the stick in, like, the ESS position. Do you know um, about this? There's a little bit about that. So, rewinding a tiny bit. The control- I, I would totally agree, by the way, with having, like, a controller tag or something. Because I remember in SM64, during one of the PACE GSA events, Siglemic actually did this trick that you could only do on with a hitbox arcade controller. Because it involved tapping up on the control stick, which on a regular N64 controller would be, like, rocking it back and forth, but because it was a digital button. Oh, yeah, on uh, Dire Dire Dogs, yes. I remember that. and apparently that's now a thing officially on the Switch version because now you can just tap it with the D-pad. But anyways, with Zelda, the Virtual Console 
treats analog a little bit differently compared to the N64. It has a much larger dead zone. So what people did was the rubber band thing, but eventually they came out with a box that has like an Arduino in it, and it would readjust the dead zone of the inputs that were being fed into it and then output into the um, Wiimote, and that would bypass the dead zone of uh, the controller stick in the virtual console version so you could play it as if you were on N64. Which, personal, there was a whole thing about it. I'm not in that community, um, but they had like a vote and everything like that. Personally, I think if it's come to the point where you are literally custom building adapters to bypass some controller issues that you might potentially have, like, eh, maybe stray away from that. But if the community at large decided that's okay, I mean, that's... Yeah, it's like, I think it primarily it should be the community decides. And even if it's like, if they ha if they have a problem with it, just, if there's ever like, we don't want this, just make a separate category instead. Like... We like we don't we don't think perceive this as legitimate than just have like a, you know, illegitimate percent or whatever the fuck they want to call it. Because I know there's a lot of people like uh, like like in Mario 64 specifically where they just don't like how VC controls because of the dead zone. How it's like you can't do like fine tuning in Mario 64 on virtual console. So they just don't play it because they just don't like it, even though it is faster, which is like, all right, perfectly fair. If you prefer that version, you should play on it. But it's, yeah, it's like someone could have a preference of, like, I, I, I want to use this controller or this function. It's just, and if you don't like that particular controller, function, platform, whatever, just have a separate category. Most most problems in speedrunning that I've seen can be fixed by just, like, just make a separate category. That, that fixes, like, 99% of all the fucking drama I've seen. It's so, like, pointless. Oh, man, holy shit. All this talk about modding, software, voting, communities fucking up i can totally drop some uh some personal experience with that real quick play it on me all right so i i've been part of the jsrf speedrunning community for for a long time uh as i'm sure might be a little obvious from the fact that i run a marathon called we want jsrf hd but anyway you know there, there's been a lot of new people in the community over the past uh, couple years and pretty much the game speedrunning it has gone into the point where it's extremely heavily modded to, I think, be competitive on a high level, to the point of they managed to mod in a, uh, a loadless timer that pretty much is extremely accurate for, like, the in-game active movement time, and pretty much the community has gotten to the point where they want to change the, uh, the executable for the game, which is basically just the mods to uh, run the timer properly, to skip cutscenes. And this uh this whole this whole pushed idea of skipping cutscenes has been I'd say very polarizing for the old runners and the new runners because at this point it's it's pretty much a comparison of quality of life skipping cutscenes and pretty much just the game being affected negatively a little bit or positively depending on your outlook and it's just all this shit that I'm probably summarizing horribly could entirely be fixed by just having a different category. Yeah. And it's it's crazy to me, because I'm thinking there's all these divisive, polarizing, you know, decisions made by different communities. I, I think, yeah, the worry is then, like, uh, if one cat, if, like, this new category that, like, people perceive as illegitimate becomes, like, the standard yeah. category, that's, like, their fear. What it's like, uh, I, I, I don't really 
care because yeah. i just like speed run for fun i was gonna yeah. say speed run for fun if you're doing it for like oh my god like nothing good happens if you're going in it to be serious yeah people who uh, are, are like i like there's a difference between like caring about records and then caring about like a like the leaderboard categories are essentially arbitrary anyways let's yeah. be real here i guess it's just it, it's yeah there's a difference between like trying to like you know have like the their perceived legitimate accomplishments versus just like they're trying to like stroke their own ego and it's like those are the people that i just don't enjoy interacting with because i've seen met some speedrunners who are just very much egomaniacs without how they approach speedrunning and it's like it's not fun to 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 be around those people word but yeah like turbo skipping cutscenes in game in game versus uh IGT versus RTA. Like all this stuff over all these communities could just easily be fixed if people would just stop taking them to these extremes so seriously. Like have fun, make a new category, take it seriously. Do it how you want. The only restrictions that is is whenever you do have a modification, it should be like clearly stated when you're yeah. uh like submitting a run or when you're recording it. Just so it's like it's clear. Even if it's like, uh, you know, like, even if you do a mod that's insane, like, all right, I'm playing Sonic and I just modified it so he just runs twice as fast. Uh, like, as long as you, like, state sure. that clearly, it's like, fucking go for it. I support you fully. Yo, double speed pursuit? Yeah, I mean, that that could be fun. Actually, yeah, this one could be That would be, a, that would be <laughs> hell, though. Sonic already gets hit enough already. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be hard as fuck, but it's like, I, I, I like, rather than just, um refusing to uh, like even allow the possibility of it on the yeah. matter of like ego or the perceived legitimacy it's like you're just you're just removing options that could be fun and that's i like it i think you should only do it for fun that's true i mean i think i've i think i've kind of taken the whole issue a little too seriously because i'm as far as the whole jsrf thing was going i think i've been a uh, very hardcore on my stance of keeping the game as uh, close to vanilla experience as possible for equal competitiveness but i think my outlook was a little toxic because i was like that's st that's still valuable it's like of, of that kind of uh like no, no changes thing so having like the quality of life changes that are um I, I guess yeah you can have a subset of modifications that are just like accessibility like making it easier for people who like don't have full control of two fully functional hands people yeah. who are colorblind Stuff like that, and then there's that like accessibility changes and quality of life ones, which is like just skipping cutscenes and fast text, uh, just turbo in general stuff. It's like uh, it, it, you could like one one of those and not the other, but it's like either way, you could just make a separate category and it fixes everything. Yes, so true. But it just is really funny how uh, how divisive just turbo in general and the discussion of it all has been over time. It's just fascinating to me as someone that doesn't really follow it too closely, but always hears about it. Yeah, I remember, yeah, like having like the game be authentic being a thing yeah. where uh, people <laughs> wouldn't want to use a Hori controller because it's not the authentic experience. Or um, some RPGs where you can turn off sound effects and over the course of a run, it like saves a bunch of time. And it's like some people were like, no, that's like it's not the like it's it, it feels inauthentic or like illegitimate in the it's same very way twin galaxies if anybody remembers the original twin galaxy rule set for speedrunning games yeah it's just like it feels like very much like a, a you know like a hold like an old tradition that needs to be changed sort of feel 
Like it's a holdover from years past. It's like you you could have your vanilla like even that. That's like rather than like forcing one thing, just have the category for sound effects on or off. I I, I guess yeah. It's like a Pokemon people didn't use the Japanese version for a long ass time because they're like like we just they just defaulted to English. I think a lot of people still do because it's like they just preferred it that way, which is fine. And it's like people want to like you know have the Japanese version. You can do that too. Just do do whatever one you want. It's you do you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> just make a new category. It fixes like ninety nine percent of problems. It really does, though. Yeah, I'm actually curious. How would uh, Turbo or mods affect puzzles game specifically? Generally, they wouldn't. I think if we take a game like Pokemon Puzzle League, for example, Turbo wouldn't really help all that much because it's still. It doesn't matter how quick you can hit the buttons, you still have to properly plan where things are going to go. So going fast only helps you so much, and that's actually kind of the cool part about that game when you see speedruns. There are players who are faster than others by large margins, but it all comes down to how efficient your play style is. You can be fast and get away with crazy movements that would net you a win, but you can also just pre-plan a lot more like steps ahead, kind of like chess in a way. Then we have things like NES Tetris where, uh, sure, Turbo might help if you could set it to a quick enough uh, hertz to let you move left or right at the higher speeds. But again, that still only helps you move left or right. And if you don't have like a natural control of it, you'll end up into getting issues. But you don't even have to tap fast in that game. There's a delayed auto shift, which if you learn about it, a lot of people intuitively already do it. They just hold left or right before the next piece spawns. And if you do that long enough, you can hold, it'll kind of like charge up the speed and it'll, you'll notice that it'll be hitting the edges of left or right faster. So, I mean, Turbo, it, it, it would help in some ways, but it would probably be actually less beneficial in a lot of other ways when you actually reach the high level. Do you think, uh, uh, do you think there's any quality of life type uh, changes? Like, Beyond, like, the accessibility ones, just, like, allowing, changing colors of, t- or, like... So, changing colors would be huge, because I can't properly play video games, as I'm colorblind and red deficient, meaning that uh, colors that have red in them, I will be more likely to mix up. I cannot tell for the life of me the difference between blue and purple. I never have been able to. Uh, yellow is my favorite color, but it's not to say I won't mix it up with, like, a lime green every now and then because of just how similar things are. So being colorblind, playing a lot of games suck because they happen to pick red, green, blue, and yellow, which means that I will always mix up green and yellow. For example, uh, Puzzle Fighter is an amazing game, but I will be dropping gems, and all of a sudden I'm like, why hasn't... Oh, crap, they're the wrong colors. (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, accessibility mods should just be default accepted. Yeah, there's actually Crystal Crisis, kind of like a Neo puzzle fighter created by Nicholas, where they have, like, um, a bunch of their characters that they have the rights to. It's kind of like a redone puzzle fighter. And that actually lets you pick between a vast array of colors, and I... It's awesome, because now I can play that style of puzzle game like I want to. When Puzzle Fighter was on phones, Puzzle Fighter Mobile, they had a colorblind mode as well, which swapped out some of the colors. And that was fantastic, because I could go online and play against people, and I would not be at a severe disadvantage to the fact that I cannot tell what colors I'm dropping. I have a couple of ROM hacks that I found slash made from compilation of different resources for Magical Drop, a Neo Geo arcade game, which is also fun to play, you know, shuffle around the balls um, that are coming from the ceiling, kind of puzzle bobble style create uh, line clears but 
that's also tough because again, red, green, blue, yellow. I will mix up the uh, yellow and green. But then you have uh, a game called Magical Idol Exchanger, which is the same kind of style of game, but instead of colors, they use numbers because it's based off of the Japanese yen. So you'll have a, like a one yen, a five yen, a ten yen, and because there's a number on those. I can play it so much better because now I have a symbol or something that is easily visible that I can tell what is going on and I can actually play correctly. So symbols are huge. Having the ability to rotate around the colors would also be huge for accessibility. I've seen that uh, in TF2 as well, like years ago, one of my buddies played it competitively. And there was like, a, in Highlander, it's like one of each class. And uh, I, I played with a dude like Satan who was like, most people call him, like, the best pyro. And my buddy, uh, Tick, who played, like, Soldier, he was like, it's like the actual, like, like, not even close, the best pyro is, like, a dude named Monochromatic Bunny, who was colorblind, and when he plays, he has, like, a texture mod that just changes, rather than red and blue for the usual teams, it's like they have a texture to it. And he was, like, he was, like, the best pyro, but he, like, couldn't play competitively, because they banned texture mods. Aww. Yeah, and it's just, like, I, I, like shit like that, It's it, you're just cutting off people from playing the game and i like i i really don't want that kind of scenario i think it's just it's just only negative so uh like having yeah just accessibility mods i think should just be default accepted and uh, i don't know if anyone disagrees with that if you do they're probably a dick yeah fuck accessibility yeah 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 <laughs> another anecdote actually to kind of wrap things up it's not even speedrun related when league of legends came out i could not play that game because it was red and really? green and then they came out with a red-blue mode, and I'm like, oh my god, I can actually tell what is going on in a team fight when there's like a bajillion things on my screen. So yeah, when, when, when video games have options of accessibility for colors, I am happy because I can actually play the game and not feel like an idiot. Like that one time where I voted Naglari off because I mixed up what color I saw in Among Us. <laughs> yeah, in Among Hell Us. Yeah, dude. So yeah, like huge shout-outs to uh, Half Coordinated, who's like kind of a spoke person. He's just yeah, he's just been like pioneering, you know, getting accessibility to be a default because he's gotten a lot of like game devs to like start really considering accessibility, which is good. Oh, yeah, yeah, half his MVP. Like, like that's purely just it's just it's just good. It's only like yeah. there's no bad downside to it. Seriously. All right, and I think if um, anybody has any questions or answers that they want. You know, we have a form that is linked in the description of the YouTube thing, and it's been the same link for every other episode as well. So if you want to ask us some questions, feel free, and we will answer them. But I think that's it for the episode. I'd say so. Sweet. I'm going to now finish eating this burger that I've been eating during this podcast. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Right. Yeah, no this worries. Was, uh, yeah, thanks for coming. I know I'm probably a little rusty as far as uh, podcast-style commentary goes, but it was nice to come on and uh, kick it. I think you did great. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Well, in that case, thanks for watching. <laughs>